You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Folks, it's so good to know that God is sovereign. His name is Jesus, and he has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, which is, did you hear that? Because if you didn't hear it before, you heard it now. Your gods, they stink. You should serve Jesus, Witches. Now, Folks, you may be wondering why I'm addressing the witches that listen to this podcast. And it's because God loves them. And he wants them to know that just like he has a plan for your life and my life, he has a plan for their life too. And they're listening to me because I hear about it all the time. Anyway, God bless you all. This week, I'm going to be playing a... Uh, a, a recording of the first message that I gave at the most recent Bride Tribe Advance, and it's called Kings in Exile. The reason why I'm airing this is because, well, I didn't have a guest for this week, one, and two, because I want all of you to know what you're missing out on. Last week's podcast, I issued a grand invitation. I said, look, we're opening up the Advance to anyone that's part of the Bride Tribe family, whether you connect to us through the podcast or the Institute or at our Bride Ministries Church, we want you to know that you are invited to attend. And the way to sign up for the Bride Tribe Advance is to go to our church tab at www.brideministriesinternational.com. Go to the events area under the church tab. And when you go to events, you will see that you can sign up for the Bride Tribe Advance. You can sign up for a single room, a double occupancy, triple occupancy, or the suite. And so we want to make sure that you are well informed about what is available to you and, well, what you're not going to be enjoying if you choose not to come. So this week, I'm going to be sharing what I uh, opened the conference with in this most recent uh, 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 event. Now, I also want to let you guys know a few other pieces of news, and then we're just going to jump right in. Number one, Advanced Prayers that Shake Heaven and Earth is finished. It The rough draft is done. I am sending it off now to friends of mine for endorsements. I'm going to be sending it off real soon to my editor and getting a book cover design. I am looking for a late August, early September release date. Will there be pre-sales on the book? Yes. Once we have a book cover designed and it is in production, we're going to start taking advanced orders and pre-sales on that book. So look forward to that. Also, uh, keep in mind that the Bride Ministries Institute is up and available for your learning pleasure. Uh, we have 10 courses on there. A lot of ground gets covered. That, that, that school will take you from the basics of understanding God's grace up and into understanding realms and dimensions and the higher arenas of our inheritance in Christ Jesus. It's just... Um, so, so much content that can be 
used, uh, practically speaking. It's not just information, it's application, it's revelation, it's impartation. And so I really, really want to encourage you to get your, uh, you know, get into what we've put together. And, and by the way, if you have any plans on connecting with Bride Ministries in the future for volunteer opportunities or leadership or whatever else, that's a requirement now for all people that are connecting with our platform that want to be um, representing us in any kind of way. And so, folks, with that said, look, there's a lot more I could share, but I'm going to save the spiel for now. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. so excited. I, you know, I uh, got here yesterday and I just said, you know, Jesus, thank you for connecting us with some of the most incredible people on the planet. This is just a treat. This is just a treat. There, there are very, very few environments where you can talk about what prayer to deploy when someone needs implants removed from their physical body and have nobody in the room bat an eye. Like, oh my which prayer was that again? No, I know that one. He was that last week. <laughs> it's a different environment. But it's a different time. This is a different time in the earth. This is a different time. We're not in the times that we used to be in. You know... I mean, as, as crazy as it is to sound, the work at the cross did span all of time and space. Everything in the Word of God from the beginning and centers on the cross. But in that day and hour, Jesus was not dealing with nanotechnology as a form of bondage. But we are. And so what we are doing with Jesus is taking a journey into things he couldn't have possibly explained to his disciples at that time. He couldn't give them the keys word for word that we need so they could write it down 2,000 years ago. But he gave them principles. And he gave them a foundation. We're in a different time. And we are going places with Jesus that we need to. And so as we look at what we're going to be doing at this advance, I want you to think about this being your opportunity to move into what I believe is going to be a new era of our lives. You know, I, I, I was praying this morning and I got very strong the word new era. I believe that we are going to be journeying from the place we've been, which is exciting, but many of us We've been hearing things and learning things, not necessarily manifesting things, demonstrating things. For some of us, there are breakthroughs so huge, magnificent, and incredible, and it's like they're right on the cusp. They're so close we could taste it. 
but we haven't yet crossed into it. But what happens when we do? It's a new era. Rules of engagement are going to look a little different on the other side. And I really believe that God's going to take an opportunity this weekend to transact miracles and really a, 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 a moving forward of things. And so we're calling it an advance because we are advancing. We are advancing as a body, as a community of believers. We're going higher. We're, we're going further. We, we are endeavoring to go into places that will shake heaven and earth as a result of what we are manifesting. That, that, that's where we're going. That's, that's the whole point, right? What did the Bible say? The whole creation groans awaiting the manifestation of the sons of God. Like, so what, what are we going to do? Are we going to just play church? Are we going to just, you know, sit on the couch, listen to me talk? Please don't do that. You know, <laughs> if, if all I am is, you know, Thursday evening, you know, entertainment... You're in the wrong place. <laughs> I'm here to be a change agent. So, 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 so we're going to talk about advancing, taking you somewhere higher. And, and, and in this, it is impossible, in my opinion, to go to higher places. Yeah, you need to so into that. So into that myself. You, you, need, you need to go into higher places. You can't take your old identity with you. You got to keep shedding that old thing off. And you know, sometimes we will come to a step two identity revelation, but in order to go into the next phase, we got to shed level two and step into level three identity revelation. Then we take another step, we got to shed that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. This is level four identity. We, we actually have to climb. Up. Because if we try to go to level four territory with level two identity, we get stuck or intimidated, hammered, punished. We, we, we just don't seem to click with the things opening up for us. And many of us have found ourselves in these kinds of situations where it's like something opened up, but just about as fast as it opened, it closed. And we try to step into it the way we were from the place we were at. And we just didn't have the capacity to hold it. So it just... There it is. There it is. There it is. And then we retreat back to level two. See, I got level two identity. I got level two manifestation. I'll camp. But then when we see someone go to level five, we're like, that's not even Christianity. We, 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 we'll write a doctrine about that one. Make a YouTube. Start a blog. Here are some truisms. Ready for your truisms? Truisms. You have more power at work in you than you can imagine. Right? How many of you can imagine the full extent of the power of God? Put your hand in the air. Everyone that puts their hand. Y'all get rebuked later. Okay. Dude, we can <laughs> we, we cannot. We, we cannot. It, it's so much power. God, God has infinite power. And so we have that on the inside of us. We have more power work on the inside of us than we can imagine. Right? That's a truism. 
What does it look like to step into that in increasing degrees? To your metron. What is a metron, Daniel? Metron is a sphere of authority. Sphere of assignment. Paul said, I will not boast beyond measure. You are part of my metron. Talking to the Corinthians. Assignment sphere. Now, here's another truism. The God of the universe lives on the inside of you. How about this one? You are more than a conqueror through all these things through Christ which loved us. Right? We've heard this, I hope. But we still go into fear and intimidation. We still go into insecurity. We still get all these things. This is real life. Right? But there, there's still truisms. It's in the Word. It must be true somewhere for someone. God help that person when they come around me. Because <laughs> I might be jealous. Okay. Uh, you are a king and a priest. Truism. What does that mean? Why do these things seem so far away sometimes? All right. Ready to learn. Some of us are like kings in exile. You have a throne with your name on it. But you're not sitting in it. It's appointed. It's ordained. Watch out. It's written. Oh my gosh. We're going to talk about scrolls later. It is written. But you're not sitting there. You know where you're sitting. Use your imagination. Some of us are like kings in exile. While we are kings in identity, we are not manifesting in authority over that which has been appointed to our sphere. And we've been ousted for different reasons. Why are we kings in exile? One, you were born in exile. You were born there. You know why? Because your parents are living in exile. You were programmed against your identity as a king. You were told you'll never be good enough. You don't have the intelligence. Basic stuff. Here's some more advanced stuff. 
you've received a counterfeit scroll. Why are you in exile? Because you're reading the wrong roadmap for your life. And that scroll can be given to you in all kinds of alternative fashions. If you are dedicated as a baby to a demon God that comes with the reception of a scroll for your life that Jesus didn't write. And that scroll will seat you in a counterfeit throne, but if you cooperate, it will transact verdicts against your prospering in courts of hell that will derail your life until you employ a higher court to derail those agendas. We were born in exile. Some of us have been bound to a foreign kingdom. We've been bound to a foreign kingdom. Like mammon. Or lust. Bound to a different kingdom. And so we are in exile, occupying a counterfeit seat or no seat at all. I'm not, I'm not preaching yet. We'll get, we'll get to the preaching later. This is, this is the warm-up. Christian gave me an hour and a half to talk. I'm going to choose every minute. Another, another reason why we are in exile is because we were overthrown while we were pursuing right governance. We tried, but we were targeted through false accusation. And so as we were moving towards that seat that we are ordained and written into, the attack of accusation comes. And we retreat. Stay in exile. It's too highly contested. We were overthrown because as we were journeying with a partner, we were betrayed. I can't go on with that one. And so instead of asking Jesus to take the knife out, we just mull over the fact that we were stabbed in the first place. Five years, ten years, still upset. Yeah, you were betrayed. But why are you looking all crazy? <laughs> Overthrown. So you're in exile. Theft. Theft. The first time I tried to invest in kingdom business, I went to Rwanda and I saw my friend who was a pastor and someone had given him a machine to make bricks and gave him no startup capital. If he could have entered that industry, he could have made enough money to support himself and even the mission to the village that he was trying to work in. So I came home and I took out a $20,000 loan in my name, which at that time was a lot of money to me. 
And I gave it all to him. And I said, let's meet once a week and talk about the developments. And as things move forward, we can build together. So he took my money and went to Canada and spent it all. Theft. Theft. Daniel, you're, you, you, it's part of your scroll to engage kingdom business. But, man, that kind of theft will put you in exile. Like, I want to go back. I don't want to try again. I'm not going to sit in that seat. If you're a coward, I took a different route. I married Christian. (laughs) (laughs) We were overthrown because we were targeted by witchcraft. It hit us through our open doors. It hit us through our generational iniquity. And it hit the people around us. So they started acting funny towards us because maybe we're protected, but it doesn't mean your coworkers are. Oh. That's tough opposition. Because you know what? The witches are praying harder for your coworkers than you are. And we are in self-imposed exile sometimes because of fear, despair, rejection, suicidal ideation, addiction. All of these things bind us in a self-imposed exile where we are not going to engage, not because of anything external that's happening, but because of this internal turmoil, this storm on the inside of us that we just can't move past. And so there is a throne with our name on it. And we belong in it. It's written, but we are not there. We're somewhere else. Now, there are a few people that know about what you're going through. Anybody heard of a guy by the name of Jeconiah? Jeconiah. Now, how many of you heard about a guy named David? Solomon? Okay. Do you know what the difference is between David and Jeconiah? Jeconiah was a king in exile. Who the heck are you? Footnote. Kings in exile wind up as footnotes. What did you do? What was the impact? How powerful did you rev your change engine? David is known the world over. Jeconiah, who are you? 
So, would you rather be in exile or would you rather be occupying your seat? Who's your role model? I believe that everyone here ultimately has the capacity to occupy. I do. And I say that as someone who works with the most broken, the most challenged, the most contested individuals you will find. I believe that in Christ, everyone can occupy. No excuses, no exclusions. That's what I believe. So let's talk about Jeconiah for a minute. After Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken into exile Jeconiah, also called Kaniah and Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah and the princes of Judah, with the craftsmen and smiths from Jerusalem, and had brought them to Babylon. The Lord showed me in a vision two baskets of figs set before the temple of the Lord. This comes out of Jeremiah chapter 24, verses 1 through 7. I'm actually reading from the Amplified. And in this passage, what we find is that, okay, look, this is the time of captivity. Nebuchadnezzar comes in and conquers Judah. So Jeconiah is taken into exile by the king of Babylon. As it goes, the Bible says, you know, there are these figs because Jeremiah is having a vision. It says one basket had very good figs, like the figs that are first ripe, but the other basket had very bad figs. So bad that they could not be eaten. Then the Lord said to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, figs. The good figs, very good, and the bad figs, very bad. So bad they cannot be eaten. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, thus is the Lord, the God of Israel. Like these good figs, so will I regard the captives of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. Interesting. For I will set my eyes upon them for good, and I will bring them again to this land, and I will build them up and not pluck them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. And I will give them a heart to know, recognize, understand, and be acquainted with me, that I am the Lord, and they will be my people, and I will be their God. For they will return to me with their whole heart. At the time of the end of the kingdom of Judah, Babylon came in, overran them, took all these captives. You know who else he took? Daniel. Okay, Daniel went with them. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego went with them. They're all in captivity. This is that time. And he became a king in exile at that point. He came from a royal bloodline, a house, and he had a throne, but he was stripped of it because a neighboring kingdom conquested, and you know what? They succeeded. So now he's in a foreign land. And you 
when you are in a foreign land and you are in exile, you do not maintain the rule or distinction that is part of your identity. So, he was part of a company that God called Good Fig. So there was a little bit of redemption going on in the undertow. Right? God said, look, I have a plan for you. You're going to come back. Maybe not you, but the generations that come from your loins. And so the captivity went for 70 years and legally ended under Cyrus and then later on was established by another king in the book of Nehemiah. Now, that is exile. You know who else was a king in exile? You're not going to believe this one. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was laid in a manger. Not too long after that, wise men visited him at some point, gave him all this stuff, an angel comes and warns Joseph because Herod, when he realizes that the king has been born in Israel, decides to kill all the infants. And so an infanticide goes off, but being divinely warned in a dream, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus escape to Egypt. Exile. Here you have the king of the Jews living in Egypt. This story is discussed in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. So it says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the child and his mother, then by night departed for Egypt, and was there till the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which had been determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now it goes on. And after Herod dies, they take the child back. And he's back in the land. And they begin to dwell at that time in Nazareth so that it would be fulfilled by the prophets which said, he shall be a Nazarene. It's very interesting when you read all the prophecies about Jesus because you realize that he has to come out of Egypt, yet he's going to be called a Nazarite. How does that make sense under any circumstances? Only these circumstances produce that set of prophecies fulfilled. It's wild, right? So Jesus is a king in exile, being raised as a carpenter's son. Now, we are kings and priests in Christ Jesus. But we're raised as all kinds of things. Right? 
Some of us were raised as punching bags. Verbally, physically, right? We weren't raised like a king. Some of us were raised around animals that seemed to get more affection from our parents than we did. You do that for the dog, but what are you going to do for me? We got raised all kinds of ways. Man, Jesus, praise God, (laughs) he got to be a carpenter's son, but he was not raised as a king. So his true identity was not cultured in him. We are not acculturated to the truth of our identity either. And so as we journey in Christ, we have to allow God to acculturate us to a different view of who we are. We have to get a culture. What does it mean to be a king? Does it mean to live like and look like a carpenter's son? Not necessarily. Now, there are redemptive aspects of all kinds of things that as we walk through our experiences, God will pull on and say, I want you to hold on to that. That's a lesson I wanted you to learn. That's a good thing. That's building your character, which I need. But we have to become acculturated to think differently. Like I said, we have to move from level one identity to level two identity to level five identity to step into level five manifestation. Now, here's the truth about Jesus. Watch this. John 16.33 These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In order to occupy the seat that has your name on it, that has been written about you, you're going to need to overcome as he overcame. The benefit is that you get to do your overcoming in him. Now how many of you know what it means to be in him? (laughs) Do you really? Now I want to show you a little picture here, okay? You're going to love this. If this is Jesus, where are you? How many of you think you're here? Here? Closer. Closer. Oh my gosh. Doing a little better, right? In him. Now, is there anything that this person can receive that I don't have access to? In Christ, we are made kings and priests. Revelation 1.6. 
Why? Because Romans 8, verse 17 says, And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. How many people have heard someone say, the Lord shares his glory with no one? How many people have heard that preached? I did. Someone failed to read Romans 8.17. That we may also be glorified together. Because if he's glorified, where am I in the midst of all of that? Oh my. So we need to learn how to transition from being kings in exile to kings in manifestation. Because you know the thing is, the funny thing is, when you're a king in exile, you're still a king. You're still a king. Jeconiah was a king of Judah. Even after he was carted off to Babylon. It was in his genetic code. It was in his blood. But it was not in his manifestation. And this is the case of the body of Christ around the world. You know who the kings of the earth are? Most of them are totally wrapped up in Illuminati agenda. They call themselves the kings of the earth. They're usurping our thrones. And we accepted this as the state of affairs. It's just the way it is. If you want to know what God thinks about money, look at who he gave all the money to. Really? You think he gave them that? The devil stole it. And they got the benefits. Just like Jesus, we have to take a journey of overcoming in this world. In him, we must also take this journey as we engage a road towards manifesting in our kingship. And this is where it begins to get really cool. Right? I'm trying to open some things up. I'm going to talk to you about kings Courts and councils. Oh. What are we qualified for? There is a ton of biblical evidence regarding heavenly councils and courts composed of heavenly beings. And this plays into how we are to see ourselves in this age because there is a hidden aspect of our identity in Christ that needs to be revealed relative to the subject. Now, how many of you are familiar with the Divine Council? You have heard that. Read Michael Heiser. Done some of this research.
You know, some people oversimplify things with sayings like, God is God all by himself. Yeah, he's God, but he has counsels. And he's used them from the beginning. Psalm 89 references this. Why don't you take a look at this? Beginning in verse 5, it says, And the heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. For who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. And to be held in reverence by all those around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord, your faithfulness also surrounds you. Now this passage in Psalm 89 can be confusing for Christians because we say, Oh, uh, God is feared in the assembly of the saints. That's us. Move on. How many Christians were there in Psalm 89? Zero. Zero. Because the thing is, Jesus died later. Jesus died later. But yet you have saints, and what they are is in an assembly. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. Let's break this down. The word assembly comes from the Hebrew word saud. Saud. It would translate something like this. Saud. So there is a saud that is a divine council. And then you have the word saints, which comes from the word kadosh. Anybody ever heard of that before? You know what that means? Holy. Holy. Holy ones. Holy. Holy. So it says, there's an assembly of holy ones around God. And when you read Revelation 4.8, it says, these four living creatures, they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and who is and who is to come. They're actually saying, kadosh, 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 Adonai. Hebrew. Kadosh, 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 Adonai. These are not a class of heavenly being. They are called holy ones. Now, In verse 6, it says, Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? Sons of the mighty, that comes from B'nai El. Similar to B'nai Elohim. We find those in Genesis 6, divine beings. Come down and copulate with women, produce hybrids. So we have sons, B'nai El, who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord. Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? So God is setting himself above these guys. But then we have a council of holy ones. Revelation 89. Why does this matter? 
What does this mean for us? What I'm talking about is moving from level one identity to level two identity to level three identity. You've seen yourself as an overcomer. Maybe. Because you had some hardship and you came through it. But have you seen yourself as qualified to sit in heavenly councils by nature of your identity? We become Kadosh in Christ, saints, and the righteousness of God. We are set apart. So in Christ, we become qualified in the heavenly realms to engage in operations and activities we didn't know existed. One thing that some people have done is they've completely written heavenly counsels out of the Word of God entirely. They said, God's up there, we're down here. No, God has counsels. Great. So those are like weird angelic beings, right? What are you qualified for? And when you walk on that level of your identity, what do you think you begin to manifest? We have to open up our perspective on what we're doing, not only on this side of the veil, but on that side of the veil. We need to get into our heads that our identity in Christ qualifies us as divine beings. Let me write that. My handwriting is amazing. <laughs> Don't think any different. Someone's, <laughs> someone's so into that. We are elevated and qualified in Christ by nature of our identity, bloodline, family name to operate on both sides of the veil in positions of high office. We are elevated. And this makes even more sense when we begin to accept the fact that we pre-existed in Christ and God knew us before we were moved or formed in our mother's womb. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I declared you a prophet to the nations. What is God saying? You already existed, Jeremiah. You were a being in heaven with me that got an assignment. And now when you come into earth, for you all, you get to step into Christ and become a co-heir to the whole kingdom of heaven. How else are you supposed to understand this?
divine beings. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this revelation? Yell at the kids, yell at the wife, yell at the dog, complain about the job, do this dance, act the fool. Like, you know, that's what we do with it. We take all this, yeah, my life's terrible, and it's bad. It's my funk. It stinks. And then we write doctrines around us to help ourselves feel better. Though you slay me, Lord, yet will I serve you. This is my whole philosophy of life, Dandoval. Don't take that away from me. You don't know what I've been through. That's called level one. Survival. We're moving past survival. We're moving past survival. We're not staying there. You just cannot settle for this anymore. We're not saying we are qualified as divine beings to take high office in the heavenly realms. It was so it was so much fun. You know, not too long ago we were doing some corporate warfare over South America with some friends. And so I sit there in the spirit and I take my archie and move it over the whole region and plop it down, charge it with the names of God and begin to go after all of these things. Dragons and snakes, evil orders, dead human spirits and armies running around and all this stuff. I mean, it's just like a, a big mess. Kind of like when we started to go after Dallas. All this stuff. You know, I'm just going after... And I'm just like going after it. You know, I bring in my star and I bring in my mountain, drop the mountain on the whole region in the spirit. And the mountain begins to open up all these portals. And as I'm speaking all this stuff and just praying and doing warfare, and half of you guys are like, what are you talking about? Um, the one thing that's going through my head is there is not a single spirit in this entire region that can contend with what I just brought to the battlefield. They can't. The territorial spirits are sitting there scratching their heads like, what are we going to do? And I went to bed that night and slept great. No backlash. I'm telling you, this place exists because we live there. And that... That's if the money manifestation hasn't come in fully. Talk to us in a year. It's all coming down. We have been sowing this year like we've never sowed before. God said this is a year of birthing. This is a year of end of delay. And this, the, the trucks of manifestation on earth side are coming in because they're coming in response to the occupation of heavenly office that we have pressed into. I'm here to tell you, this stuff is there for you. It's being set up like a platter. God saying, who do you think you are? Let me tell you something about crushing antichrist agenda. How many people like to crush Antichrist agenda? You're not going to believe this. 
When it comes to crushing Antichrist's agenda, God isn't actually doing it alone. Daniel chapter 7. This passage has just confounded me for a long time. Oh my gosh. This passage has confounded me for a long time. And I got pulled over there as I was writing this, preparing for this conference. And I'm like, oh man, here we go. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. Now, Daniel's in a vision. And it says, I watched. Till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head pure like wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was set and the books were opened. I watched then because the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Oh, <laughs> I love that. This is good news. This is good news. Some people spend a lot of time studying Antichrist. How is Antichrist going to take over the earth? Pretty far past that at this point. If you want to know why, I read my book, Kingdom, Government, and the Promise of Sheep Nations. You know, yeah, they have their Antichrist, and they have their prototype Antichrist, and they have their Antichrist spirits. They have all kinds of Antichrist stuff. I mean, it was like... <laughs> but... I'm not intimidated. First of all, I know that Jesus doesn't give Antichrist his power. Satan does. And since I get my power from Jesus and he gets his power from Satan, who's in the better seat? I've been to Antichrist's realm. I went to his whole kingdom. He was picking on somebody, so we went to his... We, 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 first of all, he was sitting in a throne in the spirit, harassing this person. So... We kick him out of that throne. He gets upset. He gets out of the throne, opens a portal, walks through it. I'll be back. Close the portal. We're sitting there in our session. We're just like, really? So I get a whole army of angels. We mount up. We go to Antichrist's realm. And he's sitting there with this matrix around his whole realm. It's a protective barrier, force field, equation, all this stuff. Sitting, guarding the realm. And all of his armies line up around the edge on the inside of his force field. And inside of his realm are soul parts of my client that have been trafficked there because of their bondage. They're held hostage. So I'm like, well, I have a reason to be here. And so at that time, all the angels of God came and came around the edge of the Realm and lined up facing all the demons on the inside of this realm. Get ready for war. So I began to speak, do my thing, do my warfare. This force field comes down. 
Then the angels go in, and guess what? They began to bully the demons. So the demons are getting their butts kicked. Yeah. And then we have more come in, and they begin to blow stuff up. Find parts of my client that have been hijacked in the Antichrist realm and take them. Leveling this, blowing that up, messing up this, knocking that over. So we get all this stuff out. And there's piles of smoke and billowing clouds and all this. And we leave. That was my encounter with Antichrist. I'm, I'm just not intimidated. Right? Now, you know, I'm not saying everybody do stuff the way I do it. No. No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is, let's get a revamp on our identity. It's, it's these kinds of encounters that have helped me to understand what I'm working with in Christ. Right? Sometimes we just need a little bit of a visual. We just need a little example. We need an explanation. Daniel, are you talking out of the side of your face, or do you actually have some evidence? I have more evidence than you can stomach. I promise. If I went through all my stories, you guys would not make it. You'd get hungry. <laughs> I, 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 I'm so we can't. Even, I can't even remember them all. People are like, remember when we did this whole thing and invaded a whole galaxy? But that sounded really cool, so I'm sure we did that, right? You know, I mean, it, it, it is really like there. The thing is, <laughs> we have this passage, Daniel's looking at the beast. He's looking at the beast, right? And <laughs> when we're working through this passage in Daniel chapter 7, it's not just God sitting down. It says, Ancient of Days and Thrones. And thrones were put in place, multiple thrones. This is the Aramaic word, Rema. Rema. R E M A H is the transliteration. It means to put in place or impose. In other words, in Daniel chapter 7, the Ancient of Days comes down, thrones are imposed on the kingdom of darkness to overthrow the authority of the inferior kingdom. The higher court is being established and squatting on what they're working with in this passage. That's the nature of the language. This is why we need to understand third heaven level work and second heaven level work. Because we get on the third heaven level and we step into our identity as the ecclesia, the called out ones. We are sitting at a seat of authority in Christ Jesus that establishes us as a superior uh, 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 court. As a superior assembly to whatever the demonic is mustering. And so the verdicts that come from that level supersede whatever they come up with. Yes. It's about superseding yes. authority. Amen. And so we see this demonstrated in Daniel chapter 7. The thrones come down and they are imposed. Amen. Yes. Thank you. Yes. So in all these thousands and thousands that come to minister... And Daniel watches until the beast is destroyed. So the Bible says in Revelation 20.20, 20, Revelation 20.20, 20, then the beast was captured 
And with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped the image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. It's like the same thing. And so, later in the same chapter, Daniel is trying to figure out what he just looked at. He's like, okay, so I see these thrones seated. Ancient of days comes down. Authority imposed. The beast is slain. His body's thrown in the fire. What does this mean? Verse 21. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. This is what it actually says. Until the Ancient of Days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all of the kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time, but the court shall be seated and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole of heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. Now there is so much to this passage, and most people, when they begin to read this passage, they only get the bad news. Saints are going to be persecuted by the Antichrist. They're going to break the world in pieces. Then we translate that. I'm going to die. You're going to die. We're all going to die. Let's all buy bunkers and nuts and hide. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. Life savings. Dumping in 20-year freeze-dried food that'll stay good for 10 years so you can put it in your bunker. You know, I know people that invested in schemes like this. They're eating their freeze-dried food because they spent so much money on it they don't want it to go bad. Because the world was supposed to end in 2012 and did not, and now it's going on 2019, going to 2020. I better eat this before it goes bad. Things are not looking good for my freeze dry. <laughs> but what we don't understand is that plans and boundary lines and things can be drawn up. Yet life continues on the surface world the way it's going. Right now, the Illuminati has maps breaking up the world into ten regions. But we're here. Right? So we read into this more than it's actually saying at times. And then we go into fear rather than faith. We go into exile rather than occupation. Because we think that our confusion is God's mandate. Daniel, you preach good. Brother, I, just, I can't. I can't. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. We think our confusion is God's mandate. Now, having said that, 
The Bible talks about the persecution of the saints or God's holy ones. Are we okay? Still following me? Have I lost anybody? Whoa! You guys are so smart. I told you, Bishop. Special. This is a peculiar people. Very strange. In this passage, there is a mess, there, there's a message of the persecution of the saints. Holy ones. And there is. This is actually happening on both sides of the veil. But we do know that there will be some on this side of the veil because Revelation 13, 5 and 6 says the same thing. It's literally the same passage. And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and was given authority to continue 42 months. A time and times and half a time is actually 42 months. Uh, then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. Verse 7, Revelation 13, it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This gets a lot of people really messed up because they think, oh man, he's going to rule the whole world. Look, everyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life is worshiping him. He's going to have every tribe, every tongue, uh, every nation. Um, okay, well, again, who gave him his power? Jesus or the Antich or, or Satan? Satan. 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 So his power is limited to whatever Satan's power is, first of all. And second of all, um, <laughs> this whole thing about not being written in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world has more to do with hybrids that have no humanity in them at all than people who are marked for redemption and have not been saved yet. I didn't know that until I started to understand hybrids. Transhumanism, posthumanism, the design of the Illuminati to build a robot army to execute their functions because they're easier to control than people. Yeah, they're all going to serve him. So we read into this stuff sometimes through limited lenses. We don't have the whole picture, so we assume too much. Then we go into fear and get out of faith. And we assume our confusion is God's mandate. So anyone that begins to preach victory, you're actually not preaching the Word of God. You're going too far. That's not the real gospel. I think it is. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Not Jesus. Limited power. Limited domain. Basically, he's working with whatever we leave him with. In Christ... We always have access to a superior power to that which the Antichrist is working with. But our problem is that if we believe in our heart of hearts that we do not, we're kings in exile. And our belief will be our experience. We're going to live there. We're going to navigate there. We're going to preach there. We're going to cower there. Okay? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
So, because many are not activated into access. People say activated into access. What you walk in doesn't look like what you could. And for those that are not activated into their access, at the hour of history, whatever that is, when some of these things begin to manifest into the physical world, they're not going to fare well. They're really not. You know, if you're drowning now, you'll be drowning then. And there will be other believers that will be conquesting. They shall know that those that know that God shall be strong and do great exploits. Daniel 11, verse 32. That, that is not everyone. If you're floundering now, you'll be floundering then. But if you begin to step into your seat now, when we arrive at then, you'll already be occupied. And you'll be the one doing the exploits and making them sweat. That's our job. God put me on the earth to give the devil a headache. And to train you to do the same thing. That's why I'm here, among other things. I got an email from someone the other day, a few months ago. You know, after what we did in our session, Daniel, I can hear Satan crying in the spirit because he's so heartbroken over what we took away from him. No? That's another Tuesday for me. See what we got next Tuesday. You see, it's just the attitude thing. We, we don't get it. We don't get it. We're living so far beneath inheritance. We live there. We preach there. Now watch this. You guys tired yet? I got one more point. That's not true. I take that back. Watch my time. Ten more minutes. Daniel 7, 21, um, 26, or 7, verse 26 and 27. But the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. Right? So now we're back. We're back at the setting. The Ancient of Days is seated. The court is established. There are other thrones... God's not doing this by himself. There are other thrones. And they take away all of the dominion the Antichrist has left. The beast. The beast's body is slain. It says in verse 27, Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole of heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. So a court involving multiple thrones and multiple judges working in conjunction with the Ancient of Days is imposed on the inferior kingdom of the beast, bringing it to an end and transferring the greatness of the kingdom throughout the whole creation to the people, the saints of the Most High. In other words, wrapping this thing up is a cosmic event. Wrapping this thing up is a cosmic event. Yes. Yes. 
We're not isolated to earth. It says whole of heaven. You have cosmic problems because God is bringing in a cosmic solution. Romans chapter 8, the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Verse 21, the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. The Bible defines itself. The Word defines the Word. We just go back and forth, play ping pong. It's the same storyline. After the beast is destroyed, this happens. Back in verse 13, it says, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming in the cloud of heaven. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages to serve him. His dominion is not, is, is, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. And I have wondered for so long, and this one was one of the ones that just messed me up for so long on this passage. It's like, how is Jesus receiving a kingdom and a dominion here? Because didn't he do that at the cross? And then I learned, well, there's always been the kingdom of God because that's what God gave Israel access to through covenant in Deuteronomy and the whole Torah. And he was trying to teach them how to engage with the realm of his kingdom. He said, if you obey my laws, then you will be blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed when you come in, blessed when you go out. Not necessarily through sound business principles, but through the word and the covenant, you engage with the realm of heaven and it comes in and supersedes what you're looking at. And so then God had to take it away from the Pharisees and the scribes through Jesus because they had locked people out of the kingdom and then it got transferred to a new company of people in the New Testament, a peculiar people in Christ Jesus. So now we have access to the kingdom. And I'm like, so why is Jesus receiving a kingdom over here in Daniel chapter 7? I was confused for a long time. I don't get it. But then I looked at Hebrews chapter 2. And this is an interesting thing because in the Bible, although Jesus has had all things put under him, we do not yet see all things put under him. It's weird. It says, you have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him, but now we do not yet see all things put under him. And then it continues. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it is fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Jesus is the captain of our salvation, and he is the one who both sanctifies and, well, let me say it this way. Both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are one. 
We are in Christ. Let me tell you something. Jesus does not receive anything that he can't give us access to. And so when we get to Daniel chapter 7, what it seems like is happening is that the one like the Son of Man arrives, but at that time, he's already brought many sons to glory. So when he approaches the Ancient of Days, he has the whole body of Christ on the inside of him. And he pulls us into that reception of the whole creation. And then he distributes it to us to rule and reign with him through all time. So he becomes the just judge. He becomes the one that determines ten cities for you, five cities for you, because we must all come before the judgment seat of Christ that we may receive in ourselves that which we have done, whether good or bad. So the entire body of Christ for the past 2,000 years arrives at that event in him. And when the court imposes government against Antichrist, the whole creation is set free into our glorious liberty. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. We are born in Christ with the destiny of cosmic rulership. We are kings under the supreme power and jurisdiction of his kingdom. We are destined to reign with Jesus over kingdoms under the whole of heaven as divine beings. So, I think it's time to advance. There'll be impartation and prayer and all that stuff later for now. I'm gonna take a break. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at brideministriesinternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.